And now it's time for We Are Just Christians live from Savona Church in Port St. Lucie. Here are your hosts, Mike Smith and Gary Jones. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning and welcome to We Are Just Christians. We really appreciate you tuning into the show. Hope you can stay tuned for the next hour. We Are Just Christians is a live call-in show and we'll be on until 10 o'clock here in Port St. Lucie Eastern Time. And we'd be glad to have your input. In just a moment, I'm going to be giving you the numbers to contact the show. And we'd like to take your call or hear what you have to say about whatever is on your mind. My name is Mike Schmidt. I'm the preacher and one of the elders for the Church of Christ on Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. And as usual with me is Gary Jones. How are you doing, Gary? I'm here this morning, Mike. Good. Yeah. Gary, Gary's not feeling terrific today, but he did come, and we really appreciate that. Uh, for his contributions to the show, and we uh, are thankful that we can be here with you each week. This show is about spiritual things in a broad sense, but it's also but it's about the idea that we can go back to the New Testament to find out how to live both privately and as a church, how we ought to act and what we ought to believe, that we can depend upon the Bible as that reference, and we're here to talk with you about that. Or whatever else is on your mind spiritually. You may agree or disagree. We cover a wide range of subjects. A, lo- a lot of it, or many, much of it, is driven by what the, those who contact the show are interested in talking about. But this show and its discussions are open to those who believe in Jesus Christ as God's Son, those who do not, those who believe in the Bible, those who do not. We'd be glad to ha- hear what you have to say about any subject. And what we'll try to do is give you some kind of a Bible reference for what we believe is right about that, whether we agree or disagree. And we promise we'll give you the last word. If we do disagree in particular, we'll give you the last word. So we're not taking advantage of you or dominating this discussion in an unfair way. So we hope that you'll call in to the show. You can reach We Are Just Christians here today at 772-340-1590, is the number to call into the show. Ray there at the station will put you in touch with us, and we'll be able to have a conversation. Now, I will say, I have to remind myself of this, Gary, you, that there's a little delay, second or two delay, so we'll try not to talk over you. If we do, it's unintentional. We're not trying to interrupt you. We just sometimes can't quite navigate the Sometimes the we're delay. not very successful. We're not, yeah, yeah, not as good as we'd like. So we're not trying to interrupt anybody and cut them off if that happens. Just be patient with us or say so. We'll try to work that out, and the same thing goes for you. But uh, anyway, there is a delay because of regulations about call-in shows and things like that. But we're not trying to over to talk over somebody. If We, we certainly uh, would be glad to give you your say, obviously, within reason, and we'll do the same thing, be fair to you in a conversation. You'd be fair to us. But bear but that's, in how, mind, that's how it yeah, is when you call in. Yeah, but bear in mind, Mike and I are coming from a particular point of view, and that point of view is uh, expressed in John twelve forty eight. Says he who re- Jesus speaking, he says, "He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day." That's our point of view. Right now, we think we can defend our positions and presuppositions uh, with both uh, scripture and reason, and we would think you could too so we don't want to hear about that and perhaps we can change each other's mind but that's what this show is about is spiritual things that involve trying to find out how to be 
first century Christians and just Christians here in the 21st century. Using the word of God. Using the word of God as a base for that, not our opinions, not the not the opinions of some creed or council or something along that kind, that line. And, um, and we have a phone call, but let me give the other contact information first in case someone wants to get a hold of us. If you'd like to reach us by call, by telephone, 772-340-1590, or you can reach us by text at 772-260-6120, 772-260-6120, or uh, Gary's text number, 772-260-6220, and we'll give you the other information. You can't email us also, which we'd be glad to have you email us at justchristians at att.net, justchristians at att.net. Well, let's take a phone call. Are you there, Jerry? Uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning, Gary. Um, sorry to hear uh, that Gary's uh, feeling under the weather, but I was wondering about uh, the Tower of Babel and did it have anything to do with Babylon and uh, also the uh, Romanic languages, uh, you know, Spanish, uh, Portuguese, and Italian, uh, where words are given gender, uh, L and La, and I just was wondering, uh, basically, did the Tower of Babel have anything to do with Babylon? I'd like to listen off L. Mike, if that's okay. That, that'll be fine. I appreciate you calling, uh, Jerry. i got to think about that one for just a minute. But I do know that, um, in fact, we're studying the book of Genesis on Sunday mornings in our Bible class. Uh, at 10 o'clock, we have a Bible class here for adults and children. But uh, I'm teaching the adult class, and we're studying the book of Genesis, and we're in the early chapters. We're just getting into the flood in chapter 6. Uh, and that story about the Tower of Babel is is coming up uh, real soon in our discussion. I, I don't know about the derivation. I'm just going to have to take a look because I'm, I've thought about this question myself, Jerry, as to um, whether it was – whether those words are related. Now, my first understanding is no, uh, they were not related. Okay. Well, I can kind of understand. Two words are not, they sound alike, but I don't think they're related. Well, I can kind of understand because I've seen a couple of documentaries and, and archaeological shows where they're excavating in what is now the ruins of Babylon and they keep talking about the Tower of Babel. And they keep saying, well, maybe this is it or maybe that is it. And so secular archaeologists may have made a connection that I don't think is in Scripture. If well, they, it's in the, the, they, they may have. I think the reason that uh, they're like that is because they, um, they're in the same area. Yeah. This tower was built in a plain or the land of Shinar, which I think is what we would now call Iraq, yes. right? And it's a plain in Babylonia, or Shinar is the is the idea, and um, it is it's it's built in the same area. And so, let me see what the derivation of the word is. It means confusion, okay? And it is also later what came to be called Babylon. So Jerry is right to connect the two if that's what he was doing. Uh, well, it, it they're became making, a general area. They're Not, making a lo locality connection, and they talk about Babylon a lot while they're doing that. So what I'm saying is there may not be a timeline connection, but there may be a location connection. Right. And so the words, the, the name of the place kind of stuck 
It was called babble, which means confusion. And it's funny because we use the word, you know, somebody's babbling on, and we mean that to mean they're not making sense. You know, they're just talking. And so it's kind of the same way we use the word a little bit. But it was it was what's now called Iraq and Babylonia um, and so forth. It's the same area. Now, this tower was built after the flood of Noah. And it says at that time in Genesis 10, let me go back there. I, somehow I didn't, I went away from where I was. That, but that, uh, and you can read about these different people that came from the ark and how they all multiplied. And it says in chapter 11 of the book of Genesis that the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they made brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar, which is all, of course, there today. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so the Lord, God looked at this and he said, this is not going well. He wanted them to scatter and, and across the earth. And so they went down. God did. It said, let us go down and confuse their language that they may understand one another's speech. And so he scattered them abroad over the face of the earth and they ceased building the city. And therefore, its name is called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the earth. And so then you have this splitting up of mankind according to the three sons of Noah. And then everybody began not to be able to understand each other. And so they split apart, went different directions and developed their own cultures. Culture is more a reflection of language over time than it is color of skin. Uh, we get we get we talk about a lot about race and skin color today. It's an easy marker, but down through time, language has been the barrier and still is the barrier. Language changes culture, changes the way people relate because languages are different, and they change how people communicate with one another. And therefore, even though we are all the same, we we have different ways of doing things, different ways of thinking that are reflective not so much of our skin color, but of our language. And you see this all over the world. Now, skin color becomes an easy way for people to, you know, demarcate one another, especially since these people who could speak together, they, they, they could speak the, uh, the same language as another group of people over here, as people over here. So they all, they all grouped together because they could understand one another. And over time, they bred together and had families together. And so they developed certain physical characteristics that were similar. It's the same way that my, my race show poultry. If I want them to look a certain way, I sort them out by that, and then I put them over here, and they begin to breed together. And, of course, I do a lot of controlling of, of all that kind of stuff, but they end up looking similar. These over here don't look similar because they're breeding among themselves, and they begin to have fit different physical characteristics. But humans have different language, and that's what really separates them out uh, one way or the other. Uh, from each other they have different characteristics of the way that they speak now god the bible says that god intentionally did this because he did not want man to all be of one language and one speech so that they would become united and then do very arrogant and conceited things together 
So what's been the motive of a modern man in all through my lifetime? To get together and break down all language barriers if we can't, but we keep trying, <laughs> and, be, and build one big city and all of us be together. And nobody then says here that nobody could ever stop them, they say in their view. In their view, nothing could ever hinder them. And this is the goal of modern man as opposed to God's view that they should all serve him. And so he, he divided people up. Now, this is where the Bible says the division of the nations comes from. According to evolutionists, the division of the nations came from many sources, but one of them was that this group of humans developed from that line of apes, and that group of humans developed from another line of apes, and so they're not even related to one another completely, and that's how we all got here. And so that by nature, there's some humans that are different than others genetically, really fundamentally, and therefore some may be inferior to others and so forth. This is the unspoken conclusion or necessary inference from Darwinism. But God says, no, they're all the same. I just divided them because of their language so that I could so that I could keep them from doing wicked things as a group altogether. And that's the origin. Now, Gary, I read years ago, I wish I could have, wish I would have saved this. This is long before computers, though. I read an article by some scholar and linguistic scholar and a couple of them. And they were dis- they were discussing human languages. And basically, if my memory is correct, I believe this is right, that many of the basic scholars believe that human languages all are, can be re- broken down into two or three families of language. So these languages may sound different to us today, but they all have their roots in two or three strains of language that were that well, existed it's, it's from way back, way back. Let me tell you a little story. Uh, uh, for those of you out there, Sharon and I had identical twins some some many years ago, seems like now. Yeah, and you still got them, I think. Yeah, and uh, we were uh, we were you know puzzled. We we had never thought about how do you have to raise twins and and what you have to do and the things that you have to pay attention to. And so we kind of divided our time and maybe we didn't, you know, spend as much personal attention with each one as we should have or talked to them. And we began to notice that uh, as they got older, they were slow to learn to talk. At least to us, what we were discovering was they were talking to each other mm-hmm. and they were talking in their own language. And when we realized that, because I, I would you know, I'd be sitting there watching them and one of them would say something to the other and kind of jabber and that I would get up and go bring something there. And, and they were they were interacting language wise. And so to get them to speak to us, we had to pay special attention to sitting down with them and talking with them uh, personally, directly, one on one to uh, they didn't they didn't just pick up because they were so close to each other. They developed their own language. They didn't develop our our language. Yeah. And I thought that was I thought yeah. that was unusual. It's but, been studied, but, I think. And humans have a propensity to develop their own language. Yes, That's right. That's exactly right. Well, they God confused the languages. Now the word and Jerry is correct. I think if, if this was his assumption, or at least his question is on point, because according to the Hebrew dictionary, uh, this word Babel means confusion, and it's it includes the word for Babylonia and the Babylonian Empire or later on in history, even though um, people scattered from there. This area is is the cradle of modern of civilization, as it were. 
not Africa. And so this area was, and it's the, it became, this plain became the site of ancient Babylon and, and still that people still inhabit that region today. But this is where humans originally were after the flood. The ark was apparently somewhat near here, maybe to the west of here, because they were traveling east to get to there after the flood, and it took them a while. And so then they be, they began to divide up. And once people divide it up, you know, their their habits change. Everything changes about how they are. And so um, this is God's explanation for differences in human culture. And um, we need to we ought to respect that. And there's no problem in translating. And speaking different languages, but there are differences in people that come about because of language, and that goes all the way down to the habits they have every day, and the way they think about the world. Now he also asked a question, if I'm not forgetting it or getting it properly, about, and I'll just paraphrase it about in what's called inflected languages. That some languages like Portuguese, and it's interesting he mentioned that because I just re- I just met a a Portuguese woman and her son yesterday and had a little talk with them in a store I was at. I haven't run into anybody from Portugal in a long time. Or Well, she was from Brazil. I shouldn't say that. She spoke port- She spoke Portuguese. Uh, and that's what her little boy was speaking, partly to me. She told me that's why he doesn't, why you can't understand him is because he's speaking part Portuguese to you like he does his own grandfather. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, it's a long story. You don't want to hear that story. But, but, um, they have an inflected language, and English is not inflected. Now, what that means that some languages have different endings for words depending on the, the word itself, whether they consider it to be feminine or masculine. Now, feminine and masculine don't have to do with what they thought was the actual gender or sex of the object. Uh, oftentimes it doesn't. Like ships uh, in these kind of languages, boats and Vessels are usually feminine in their inflected endings, and so there would be a difference. I'll give you another example. In, in, in Greek, in the Bible, the language of the Bible, New Testament is written in. In New Testament Greek, there is a word uh, adolphos, adelphos, which is brother. Adolphos ends in O-S. That's a masculine ending, and so it refers to a brother. Then there's adolphia, which is... A sister, Adolfa or Adolfia, and we get, and that means sister. Same word, different endings. In this case, yeah. it reflected the gender of the two things you're talking about. So you have people say Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. And that's not correct. It's linguistically, the city, linguistically, not. it's the city of sisterly love. Probably isn't correct in any event. <laughs> they booed Santa Claus there, I think, but years ago. But in any event, it's the city of sisterly love, literally because of the ending. Now. And sometimes this reflect like the words we were talking about last week, when Jesus says, "Thou art Peter" in Matthew sixteen eighteen, upon yeah. this rock I will build my church. The word Peter Petros is a is is a, a word for a small rock. It's got an O S on the end, Petros. And then Petra, the rock he was going to build the church on, is a feminine word, and it means a large mountain or fa- a foundational rock. Huge rock. A cornerstone. Not a pebble or a handheld rock, yeah. but a cornerstone. And that's the diff- and the difference was the way they do it is the ending of the word told them what it was referring to. Not that they think big rocks are male and little uh, are female and little rocks are male. That's not exactly what that means. 
It's just a difference in inflected language. And, and that's the true of a lot of languages. Spanish is that way. French is that way. But English is not that way. And so a lot of the languages of the world have this inflection. And, and Koine Greek has this inflection. That's one of the difficulties people have. Latin had that inflection uh, on the word. So when you learn these languages in school or deal with the Bible in the original languages, you have to understand he may be referring to one thing or another, or else it makes no difference at all. Okay. Philos is love. It doesn't mean that, only ma- that love is masculine. We tend to think in English of love is feminine, don't we, sometimes? Yeah. But uh, it has more of that characteristic. But it's got a masculine ending. And then there's philia, which has a slightly different meaning, which is a feminine ending. So you got to look past the gender to understand uh, what the meaning is. But the, you're dealing with the same words, different endings. Now, I'm not sure uh, the point Jerry was making about that. I, I don't know if he made it or didn't understand it, but I'll catch it. You know, sometimes I'm trying to write down things and I don't catch everything when people call in. But this is an issue in in Bible understanding, and and in and if you're going to learn one language or another, it's an issue. To, well, to pick one of up the on. other issues that I've encountered, and and I'm not, I have had no formal training in either the Greek or other languages. One of the things that I've just run across in dealing with the the dictionaries and the lexicons is the Greek and some other languages have a lot of understood meaning that in in the combination of words that are there, uh, more so than maybe English, or at least I think English is. Uh, they don't use the articles like we do uh, as much. And, right. And basically, there's a lot of things that need to be understood in a combination of words that English sort of takes care of in the way it's written. Uh, I don't. It's, it's hard to, hard for me to express that, but that's what I've run into is not being a mm-hmm. trained uh, Greek scholar. Well, I know just enough Greek to be dangerous. Dangerous with it. <laughs> yes, that's exactly correct. So uh, don't t- you don't have to take what I say as definitive. I'm certainly not trying to um, deceive anybody for any reason. But that's um, kind of well. And then again, there are people that know Greek and who basically, when you come to the end of it, they don't make any sense of anything that they say. Scholars have a use, but it isn't always very practical yeah. uh, in, in the world they live in. So you have to come down and make it sort of practical. Some of the things that they get hung up on uh, and debate about endlessly don't make any practical difference in the real Sometimes world Sometimes you can we live know in. too much about something. It know? doesn't, yeah. You know, and you, the more you know about one thing, the less you know about everything. Well, and that's that, one of the dangers. One of the, one of the okay. things that we had at work when we were doing specialized work in a particular area that we we know more and more about less and less until we know absolutely nothing. And that's about pretty. There's a lot that's, of truth in that. There really is, and and that's the trouble with with relying on an expert in one field to guide national policy that covers everybody's everyday life. Oh, we won't mention that, but that's the problem <laughs> with doing that because you end up with with uh, something that doesn't work. Any in any event. But uh, Ken texted in the land of Shinar is in southern Mesopotamia, and that's correct. Uh, this land called Met, we don't most people don't know what Mesopotamia is. It's a word that an old word that means between the rivers of Tigris and Euphrates, Meso in middle the middle of the rivers, and that's where Iran and Iraq are, particularly in this case Iraq. And the word Shinar is not a modern word, but you will read this word in the Bible several times. It refers to Babylon. 
Sometimes Babylon refers to that general whole area. Sometimes it refers to the city Babel or the uh, Babylon as a city. There is an old Babylon, and then there's the new ba- Neo-Babylonian kingdom. There's an old Babylon, then there's the kingdom of, of Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel dealt with in Babylon. And so you have quite a few of these empires all there at the same time. The Jews were taken into captivity by part of that. And so he wants to know, or has a question here, what's the reason for God to change language? Well, he, this verse, I don't know if this is what he's referring to. He can text back in, but... This verse is says, or this passage says, that men were trying to unite themselves together, and they were go, they were planning to do what God thought was wickedness, and they were going to make it worldwide, a worldwide kind of wickedness. This is the danger of centralized anything, and uh, is because when when uh, you got a centralized religious authority in the Pope. When the Pope goes astray, he takes everybody with him for the most part, vast majorities, because it's all centralized. God didn't set up systems like that. In Israel, he set up a system of judges and and local cities over in local areas. But particularly the church, I think he had that in mind. Right. He didn't set up one central government over the New Testament church. It's dealt with by elders in among yourselves, he says, about the so bishops. dealt with entirely on locally. a local level. The only centralized authority is Jesus Christ, Christ himself. Which basically in earthly form is the scripture. Right, and that's the only authority that Jerry and, I, Jerry, Gary and I will answer to in this church as elders of this church trying to follow Christ. will answer to his authority as expressed in the word as we best understand it. And we will answer to that, but not to some other group of men or some council or anything like that. And so I think God changed the uh, language because men don't generally have good purposes in mind when they begin to unite together. They begin to do massive wickedness. There's plenty of wickedness. I've never understood the idea that humans, people complain about humans doing all these bad things, how bad people are, and then they want to put a, get a person to be in charge of it, of all. All, of it all. Because people are so bad, we need more people in charge of it. Well, it's one of that the reasons, makes no sense. But it's one of the reasons, Mike, why I'm very skeptical that we'll ever see the world government that a lot of people want to see. Uh, they seem to think our problems will be solved by a world government, and I'm not. It'll be ten times worse. worse. But you you need the way to, a way to uh, you know separate yourself from those things, and that's kind of been the way humans have been to some degree. Now, uh, John texted in that this, that they were probably building a ziggurat, if I, which is a stepped pyramid-type feature, so they could go up to the top of that and worship. And these are not uncommon in that part of the world. Some people think that the pyramids of Egypt were a modified form of that type of a picture that with steps, as it were, huge uh, terrace all the way up. And you can read about these. They often would have temples or some kind of place for worship on top of these things. Well, the first and Egyptian so, pyramid. And that's exactly right. Too. Well, that's true. Yeah. And and so that's that's probably right. So they would have this uh, this pyramid going up into the heavens. Now, now, Ken texts it back in, and maybe I'm getting it. Yeah, he says the reason that God changed the language is verse 4 says, we will make a name for ourselves, which is pride. And that's the basis of human governments. Human empires is pride. 
And that's that's the problem with even the American uh, in the last in my lifetime became a, a system of pride, how great and powerful the superpower we are. And there's an element of that there in spite of all the good that might be done, an element of pride that causes people to overstep their bounds and do wicked things. And and then the ones this this um, as it were this powerful government begins to trample on those who are less powerful or those who disagree. And you see this um, you see this all all the time in dealing with it. I can't find that passage here. It's it's in the book of um, I'm going to say Joshua, but I may be wrong about that. There was a uh, well. Let, let me not say let me not say anything about that till I find what I'm looking for. But the idea, yes, the idea that when you build this pyramid, that you build it so large that when you go up, you get closer to God. And that's what they said. We'll build it into the heavens. And I think I personally have always thought this was an expression of um, the uh, of the idea that man would become God. He would build it up to the heavens. He could look out and see the whole earth, and he would become, you know, more powerful. And and he would it would be an expression of his own greatness. In in that case, it's got to be somewhat symbolic. The, the materials that they were using just don't have the the capability of building something, you know. You know, it's difficult for us today with steel and uh, even, you know, granite and and the harder rocks that we can, basically the harder stone that we can quarry and use the steel and the concrete. There is a limit to how far we can go with that. Right. And it's not going to get you up to God, basically, mm-hmm. in in a more of an more of an absolute sense. Yeah, of course, got to, they, they might not have known that, I guess, but. Uh, well, they would have found out. Right. But then, then again, even as late as uh, some of the Egyptian early pyramids, uh, the archaeologists had found uh, structural flaws in those, and they began to realize that uh, even those weren't going to stay together by the time they had. They had many failures before they got to the pyramids at Giza and the ones that are so famous today. And, and they did learn from it, but still they, they were beginning to see the limit. I, I'm trying to find that, that passage. Boy, it's just, uh, I, I can't remember the exact, oh, here it is. Hmm. No, maybe not. There, there was a, the tribe of Dan. Yeah, here it is. Um, it's, in, it's in the book of Judges, chapter 18, and verse 7. Long story short, the tribe of Dan had been given land in the southern part of by Joshua in the southern part of the land of Canaan. But they didn't like it there. And so, and they couldn't seem to make a go of it. And so they wanted to go somewhere else. And so they ended up going to the north, all the way up north. And they kind of sent out spies up there. And they found themselves a priest who would go along with whatever they wanted to do. So they sent out spies. And it says in, in, in Judges 18:7. So the five men departed and went to Laish. And they saw people who were there, how they dwelt safely in the manner of the Sidonians, quiet and secure. And there were no rulers in the land who might put them to shame for anything. They were far from the Sidonians and they had no ties with anyone. Doesn't that sound wonderful? They were living by themselves. 
They're, they didn't have any rulers who were always taxing them and making them do stuff they didn't want to do and put them to shame for anything. And they, they lived quietly and safely in that land. Of course, now the tribe of Dan comes in and basically wipes them out and takes their land. So this is, uh, this is how, <laughs> this is how the world works in this case. But I've always thought that's really the picture of what early Americans wanted was to just to be left, left alone, alone and live in their own place and be peaceful and quiet, at least a, ma- a majority. But there are always those who have to have their power and go and take other people's stuff and spread out. And, I, and there were a whole bunch of them were even able to get along with the Native Americans or Native, the Americans who are already here in the land and dwell peacefully with them. But it doesn't work that way because man's pride gets in the way and says, I got to have more and bigger and better and take over everything. And they want, and they, they always want to get a powerful ruler to do that for them. And by it, it's the way of human beings. Anyway, um, they, um, th- this is the Nate, this is the meaning of Babel and Babylon and so forth. It is an interesting subject. We'll come to in our Bible classes here at some point in time and get to chapter 10, but it's an, it's a lesson in human pride. I don't have any reason to think in spite of how it may look, Gary, this is how crazy you and I are to the rest of the world. I always have to say this based on that passage about the tower of Babel. I don't have any fear that there's going to be a one world government that's going to be successful in any way, shape or form. For, for any length of anyway, time at all. Even if they can get it done, it won't be successful because God didn't allow it then. He's not going to allow it now. I don't think I don't think that people's prophecies about what they call an antichrist and all that are are the parallel to this, except that they're talking about human beings are always wanting to make themselves be more powerful than they should be. There's no humility among the leaders of the land, and we keep wanting to centralize more and more and more power into the hands of fewer and fewer people in Washington, D.C. And I'm telling you from looking at history, this will never turn out well for followers of Jehovah. This will never turn out well for true Christians. It will always turn out poorly because those people who become more and more powerful in their own mind, in their own ideas, do not want you submitting to any other God but them. Yes. That's how. That's just how fundamental it is. They will not allow you to not bow the knee to Caesar and to submit to anything but them. And Christ, true Christianity is an affront to that whole idea that humans are somehow infallible and can do what they want and are all-powerful. The Bible's against that idea, and Christianity is against that idea, and... and and so it's a, it, there's a fundamental disconnect between the idea of huge empire, civil, uh, empires and civil governments that control everybody's lives and New Testament Christianity. There's a disconnect there, and there always will be. And it's not going to get fixed whether we elect a Democrat or a Republican. It's not going to get fixed whether you have, have this person or that person or this government or that. It won't be fixed because whoever's in power is going to demand the allegiance to that power. And we, we need to be careful of what people, whatever part they're from, who have that power instinct to force people to do what they want to do and are willing to do it. They're going to come after religious people in the end. Just, I'm being a prophet myself. 
<laughs> but I, it's not really a prophet. It's what you can see, what you've seen all the way down through time. And there'll always be the big, powerful religious organizations who will go along with that. Our country is filled with religious so-called churches that'll go along with the with the central government because they don't mind changing their doctrines and practices to suit it, and they gain power from doing that. You know, it, it, it's it's amazing to me. Their uh, churches are filled with powerful men too. Go ahead. Uh, basically, there's there's let me see if I can find it real. There's a I think it's a Proverbs no, it's a Psalms passage uh, in Psalm. 94 and verse 16 God is 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 kind of pleading with them this is who will rise up for me against the evil doers and who will stand up for me against the workers of iniquity the tools that God uses against these things are basically us and he's saying who's going to do this yeah and and we're not inclined to do that it's it's once once they get big enough it's pretty hard to oppose them yeah. So you, you have to be very cautious about that. And that's why I'm saying don't let it get started. We've already let it get started. Now we're going to have to have a trouble to, to rein it back in. But um, that's the problem. They, it's never going to work out well for New Testament Christians. They'll be driven out and persecuted just like those people living in their own land, secure. Nobody's bothering them. And that's what we want for the church here. We don't want to control this city. We want people to be free. We want to be free to practice what we believe and teach other people the same thing. And they are free to choose or not to choose. And, and we're not here to force anybody to believe what we believe. We believe they should. We believe what we teach is right. And we people should people should act and believe a certain thing. We don't make any bones about that. But we have no interest in forcing people or getting some, some kind of powerful government or agency to force people to do what we think they should. And the real tragedy of all this, Mike, is that the moral teachings that, that God has given us the attitude we should have toward our fellow man and the help that we should be giving and in our, in our interactions with man are all of the highest standards. And if we could all practice that, this would be so much better a world uh, that would benefit all of us. And we could be happier and we could be uh, more at peace if we could just if people could just understand what it takes to do that. And they don't. Yes. Do you understand what I'm saying? I do. Uh, and, and it's and that's found. There'll always scripture. be problems, and we're always going to be struggling. That's the nature of the world that God gave us, and there's a bit, there's a good part to that. But so if we think that somehow if we just get the right kind of gov- right kind of person in charge of everything, and He makes everybody do what He wants them to do, everything will be better. Uh, I don't have much. Now there are legal, there are principles of law as far as government is concerned that do work out better for people. And I believe that much much of those are enshrined in our Bill of Rights, for one thing. Yeah, and they and they, and have, they came out of the Bible. I got some the, sermons on this, right? And they have their their forebears in in basically Old Testament, New Testament law. Right, but all those can be misused too, turned against it. You know, well, it, it, you know, it was good, never so. apparently it was never a perfect system from the beginning, even though it took two or three witnesses and. These things seem, you know, you look at well, humans t- are involved, it, and we have all have our own motivations and interests. Well, take a look at what happened to Naboth. You know, basically, we could go over that story. Uh, they got false witnesses to testify against him. What happened to Jesus? So there again, there was false witnesses that testified against him, and they wanted to sway public opinion. What do we see happening today? 
right in front of us. Same, it's the very same thing. So, and, and we have to rise above some of that. Now, John texted in a picture of a ziggurat, so you can, I, I, I'll try to show it to you. I'm holding up to my computer, so I'm trying to show you this picture uh, here. But you can look on, on the Google or DuckDuckGo or somewhere, and you can type in ziggurat. It's kind of hard to show you Z-I-G- on radio. Yeah, but. yeah. Z-I-G-G-U-R-A-T, ziggurat. And you'll read what people think about them. Truth is, we don't know exactly what they were for. We think we know some of this. Uh, but we don't know exactly what people were doing with them, and it probably was different depending on the groups that built them. Well, when it comes, but to I right, think they do parallel, yeah. and uh, I think they do parallel this Tower of Babel. But it was the Tower of Babel was apparently on a much larger scale than any of these other things. But basically, what it amounts to, Mike, is everything that we're looking back several thousand years is to some degree speculation. Nobody was there that's here today. We don't have eyewitnesses. We right. can't look at those things. We we have to depend on what is written. We have to understand languages that have not been spoken in centuries or millennia. And uh, there's there's possible errors in there. Uh, it's just interesting that Jerry brought this up because the Tower of Babel, that story, and these stories in the early, by story I don't mean something made up. I mean account of what's there. That if you, you, you if you believe those things in there, you will have a biblical worldview, as opposed to a secular worldview, which over time will alter what how you view the, obviously the world because it's a worldview and how you view yourself and other things. Now Gary and I take a biblical worldview, so we believe that the events of Genesis 11 about this Tower of Babel and the confusion of languages takes place. Oh, that's crazy. That's ridiculous. Well, let me tell you something. In the final analysis, I alluded to it, and I'm going to keep harping on this until I don't have any breath anymore, because this is the big issue of our age going forward, that it's it's whether all men are created. In fact, I'm going to talk about this morning, this again this morning in my sermon, but whether all men are created equal is the big issue of our day and age. And it, it, impacts, it's, it's, it impacts Darwinism, and it impacts the way people view government what they think the law is for, economics, and religion, spirituality. But this Tower of Babel story tells you again, not only do we have the creation accounts that tell you that in the Bible all men are the same, come from the same place, the same source, are all related, therefore there's no superior men over anybody, no superior races of people. But this Tower of Babel shows you that they all all one and they all came from the same thing. The only thing that's dividing us is language, and we can overcome some of that, but we'll never overcome all of that, and we have to understand that that's where culture comes from. So when I say from the pulpit, I've said it a hundred times or maybe more over the years, that what divides people is culture, not color. Oh, my people get so upset about that because they want color to be the dividing line. They want to make a make it always a racial thing that divides people, and they can then sort people out by race. So then they can say that the black race is superior to the Jewish race, or that's superior to the white race. You know, they can have these arguments about that kind of thing. And the Bible doesn't engage in any of that. It says we're all the same. What divides us is language, and that's what produces culture. So yeah. that, that's this, and, and it also says that humans, that God did not intend humans to have one world government. So as politically, if I believe that toward the Tower of Babel, I'm not going to be trying to take the United Nations and make a one world government out of that. 
But there are some who are. Are now. Would I say that the United Nations might be a place where the people who speak different languages can get together and try to talk and not kill each other? Well, that might be a good idea, somewhat. But but people want to take it from there and make the United Nations the world government. They want to make one government over all of Europe. It doesn't work. The reason it doesn't work in Europe is because of all the different languages that are there. You see what I'm saying? Go right back to this story. The Bible story explains why there's a Brexit and why it doesn't work in Europe and why it doesn't work in in the area where my ancestors came from at that time, Austria-Hungary and uh, the Balkans, because language divides people. And, and the Bible's very clear about this. Now, we can overcome, as I said, some of that, but we can't, we can't ever hope to fix all of it. And the reason we can't hope to fix all of it is because God doesn't intend for us to fix all of it. You see what I'm saying here about yeah. the Bible world? Now, that changes your worldview of a lot of political things, everything else, if you believe that this story is accurate, and you and I do. So um, that's a, it's a interesting how this, these seemingly children's tales are really much deeper and more complex than people well, want to get there, credit there are a lot of things even in even <laughs> just in the book of Genesis they're a lot deeper in terms of how they affect us today their uh, fundamentals well, knowledge yeah. about human nature well let, here's here's just one that I, I that I've thought about from time to time it's it's in Genesis I believe it's Genesis chapter 8 about verse 22 God is telling Noah you know, basically, uh, this flood's over. I've destroyed the world, and uh, in, in the context of this is not going to happen again. But in terms of what the environmentalists say, we're, we're all going to die if we don't do this. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 22, God makes a promise. He says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. Right. Now, how does that fit? With that's a that's an ecological statement, isn't that's it? That's an ecological <laughs> statement right there, and it has it has application to us today. Exactly, and there's a whole and this is why this is why secular materialists and evolutionists and many kinds of so-called scientists, not actual true scientists, but that's why they reject the Bible so badly because it doesn't the Bible doesn't fit the secular worldview that man is the center of everything in the sense that he controls everything and he has absolute power. It just takes a little more learning, a little more education from Harvard, a little more submission to a central government and would all be perfect. The Bible doesn't fit that view of the world. Okay, and so it just, and it, it gives man dominion over the earth and God intended it to be this way and yet he didn't intend all the nations to all join together and be one didn't intend that either. There have been many attempts to create a one-world language, too, in my lifetime. I forgot the name of that language they were pushing when I was younger. Oh, um, that I, one, I don't one know that world, we're, one language, everybody speaks one language. We can't even agree on a system of units of measure that's one. It, right. it, it, the different units are still with us, even though everybody claims we're going to go to the Yeah, that's why I think, the, I think the metric system is sinful, actually. I'm going to take that verse. I'm going to take your lead there, Gary. Well, I'm kidding. Basically, you know, I keep coming. I, I grew up with the English system, so so I understand it. I have a feel for it. Uh, you know, if uh, I, I I had some numbers. So you're a metric kind of guy. No, I'm not a metric oh, kind okay. of guy. No, I I, I have I, I can't think in terms of my father-in-law was meters and centimeters yeah, and he he liked that stuff. Oh, but, really? And and there's a real value. To, there's a real value in all. I understand that. 
but I watch these videos where they're trying to teach you something and it's they're having to try. One guy just played out and said he's from England. He says, look, I'm going to give you the the units and pounds and inches or whatever one time. And you're going to have to figure out all the rest yourself later, because I'm not going to tell you that both of these measurements, meters and all this uh, later on. But anyway, he, it's a struggle. No, I, like you say, it's a struggle. Well, you, you have no feel for it. In other words, no, it doesn't commute to me. one of the things you have to understand is you try to calculate things and, and make things work and design machine elements is you have to be able to recognize mistakes when they occur. Yeah. And, and I can't recognize a mistake in a metric system. I can recognize a mistake in the English system because I have the feel for the units. Yeah. But I, it's, it's, <laughs> John, it's John texted it. We, I don't know if this is true. He says we crashed a billion dollar rover on Mars because one team used metric and the other used English metric. Right. Maybe true. Sounds about right, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah, I but, remember that. But what, 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 what I, the only time I've ever been like forced to understand metric is working with my socket sets and wrenches. And you get underneath the car, it's valuable to know that the the socket you have next to you is at 13 millimeters is going to work on a half inch bolt, right? Even though it might be a little bit off, it works 99% of the time. But, but and you don't have to crawl out of the car and go find a half inch somewhere. Well, you know, you that, learn may, that may be true of one size, but it's not true throughout. Not true all of them, but, right. but, but 11 millimeter is like a 716 but see, or something like you know, that. So, I would, so you're close enough. I was working with a wrench set when I was 11 years old, and I was working on a Model A Ford. And there were no metric dimensions on that car. There were no metric nuts and bolts. It was all English, and I didn't even have a metric set of wrenches. Right. Okay. I, I worked through high school, 1964-65, and I had no need for a metric set of wrenches because every car I ever worked on was American-made car, and it basically Celsius and Celsius and Fahrenheit are the same way. They both have their uses. So, and and we, that's the value of allowing people to be different from one another at least in those kinds of things, allowing that. And, and that's why it is. But those things come out of language and they come out of culture. And we need to be willing to leave it alone, whatever. Well, I appreciate the question, Jerry. We've talked most of the show about that. I appreciate the question. Well, the you know, of some of these we questions. several texts. I appreciate it very much. Some of these questions surprise me, Mike, and some of them, you know, don't. Uh, I, I can see them coming. But one of the things I've been surprised about in the last few weeks with all the news that's on, about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial and then Alec Baldwin shooting on the rust set. Well, that thing set. disappeared, didn't it? Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why we didn't get any questions about what does the Bible say about self-defense? You know, we we didn't get any of those. Not that I'm not that I'm surprised so much. Just wondered because those things were in the news. And do we think about those things? Do we? And that's. That's the thing I would like us to begin to think about. When we see everyday things, what does the Bible say about those everyday things that we do? Shouldn't we be conscious when we make our decisions about what we do and how we live? Shouldn't we be thinking about what does the Bible have to say about those things? I've got a, and I'm trying to think of this title of it right now. I've got a sermon that I preached uh, a, a while back. It's been a, two or three years now on self-defense and um, I don't know if I think it's I think there's 
see what it says. Well, I just did two Wednesday night well, lessons on yeah. it, basically. Now, we did, uh, this was this was back in November, but I'm not sure which year. It wasn't this past year. It's, uh, it's a radio show. We did a show. This this show, a couple years ago, is self-defense justifiable. And I'm pretty sure that around that time, I did an entire sermon on you know, self-defense as opposed to just aggression and whether a person had a right to self-defense. And it might have been in connection with the series because people use Jesus' statements in Matthew about turning the other cheek as a criticism of self-defense, which it is not. Right. Uh, but that's how it's often used. I know well, I've done a couple of series on those verses they, in the Sermon on the Mount, and that may be where it is. I'm, I'm going to be I'm confused about where it right. is. You can search our website for this and and I'll, I'll see if I can find that title somewhere. Well, basically, you know, what everybody wants to do is make everything Jesus says into a 100% pacifist kind of attitude. And that's not what the Bible says. Now, the Bible is not tremendously direct about uh, self-defense, but it does give you, you know, an indication of what you should be doing. And the thing is, not all of these situations are consistent. In other words, there are situations where it's certainly appropriate, certainly approved, and other situations where you should probably walk away from it. Well, my, my problem with some, with some people in this is they use they use self-defense as a justification to be aggressive, and which is not what we're talking about. Right. That they use it as a pretense to walk around looking for a fight or whatever. Now, there's a few of those people. I don't think that, I think that they're the numbers of them are exaggerated, but there's always a few of those people. But I, I think fundamentally, historically, that now that you, we've changed the subject here, that that Christians have viewed self-defense as something that derives, first of all, from creation again. That God's the one who created life and gave each individual person life. He's the originator of life, and therefore he is the only one who can determine when that life should end or his right. right to be ended. He justifies capital punishment in this way. When you take a life, God God allows for capital punishment. Now, he also regulates when that could be done with witnesses and so forth. It's not just an open-ended. If you want to kill somebody, you can. But God also regulates the idea. So God's in control of that. Now, that's the fundamental beginning place to me to discuss the idea of self-defense. And, and who has a right to take somebody else's life? No one. Now, when you go from there, who has a right to take your life? No one. God gave you the right, for example, to protect your family, and you can't protect your family when you're dead, for example. So you have and and what's the purpose behind all of this, including maybe theft, manslaughter, murder, whatever? What is the purpose? And the purpose of that was to separate the evil out from the people. It was to put away those things from among them. God's very, yes, God's clear about that in the Old. There are two reasons given for capital punishment in the Old Testament, which is a little bit different subject. Number one, he says that you would put evil from among Israel, out from among Israel. And secondly, so that others may see and fear. Now, I know we say, oh, capital punishment isn't deterrent. Well, that may be, but God says it is. So you, you can decide what you want to believe about that. God says it should. And my argument's always been, if the threat of a death penalty won't stop you from killing someone. Maybe we should be concerned that you're dangerous. 
Yes. You've just proven to me that you really are dangerous well, which, and a threat. If capital punishment won't deter you. Well, see, it's all related. We keep going back to all these things in the news again about why are we letting these people out on bail with no bail, basically, or almost no bail? Why are we freeing, you know, violent criminals from prison who had prison served as a separation from society for those people? Uh, and they didn't have that kind of system uh, in, right. in Bible times. No, sure. they didn't. And and basically, so shouldn't we? That was that was where I was going originally when I brought this subject up, Mike. Shouldn't we be thinking about what the Bible says about how we should live when we look at the daily decisions and the things that we have to, and the things that we see? Now, yes, and Romans 13, as you know, we've talked discussed right. this passage on the show in sermons. You and I have discussed it many times ourselves, but. That every soul is to be subject to the governing authorities because they come from God's, God's authority, meaning that God's the one who instituted civil government. It wasn't a creation that men decided they couldn't live in, in, in their caves anymore unless they had a government. This was something God gave humans from the beginning. And whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God, and those who resist bring judgment. Then he gives you the, the general purpose of government that God established. For rulers are not, and it should say to be, a terror to good works, but to evil. You want to be unafraid of the authority and do what is good, and you will have praise in the same. For he is God's minister to you for good, but if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. He is God's minister and avenger to execute wrath upon him who practices evil. He's telling you what God's purpose for human government is. It is to protect the innocent and to punish the wicked. That's the purpose. Now, here's the thing. When governments do that, then all this vigilantism stuff and all that other things they worry about go away for the most part. Right. When government doesn't protect the innocent and allows the wicked to have free reign, then you do find vigilantes uh, taking the offense, and you do find other evil. The evil people get stronger. This is what we've been seeing in our country. And I'm not, I don't care what person's race is about this. People know that these things are wrong. But wicked people, of whatever color they are, do them and the government do wicked things and the government ought to punish them. I happen to believe now this is just offhand, but when they convicted those two I don't know what state it was in, I mean on a couple minutes left, but yeah. Ar they mur murdered this fellow murdered this fellow named Arbery. They were convicted yes, of murder. Yes. From reading what I read about that, however ignorant it may be, I think those two men stalked down a man and shot him. It shouldn't have happened that way. There's some defense you can make of what they did, but uh, but partly what they were doing was because the police were not responding to burglaries to, and to so their forth, calls and so and they took a vigilante approach to it, which brings more wickedness. Wickedness brings more wickedness. He says, defer to my avenger, which is the government in this case. And so you see this whole thing uh, unraveling. Uh, in any event, I happen to personally, this is just me, I happen to personally agree with the Rittenhouse verdict and happen to personally agree with the verdict and guilty in these people's case. Well, when you look at the way the laws are written and what's done, those two verdicts were in all probability correct. Yeah, we we got to stop here, so finish okay. one sentence. But basically, they were correct, but does that mean that real justice was done and what was and the possibly under... Possibly not. No, no, but the problem is, Mike, we're not working on the underlying cause. Yes. Of all, of those all right. Well, um, well sorry about we that. got well, we got off on a good subject, but our time is gone today. We really appreciate you tuning in to We Are Just Christians. Hope you'll make it a habit. Come and see us at 2196 
southwest Savona Boulevard here in Port St. Lucie. We meet at 10 for Bible class this morning, 11 for worship, and we'd be glad to have you come. We're not going to ask you for money or embarrass you. 2196 Southwest Savona Boulevard. And take a look at our website, which is wearejustchristians.com. Wearejustchristians.com. Thanks for listening. May God bless you, and tune in again next week. You've been listening to We Are Just Christians every Sunday at 9 a.m. on WPSL Port St. Lucie. 